Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Everybody, even billionaires, like I don't care who you are, like we like to be surprised and delighted and we like to be, most people I would say, walk around feeling underappreciated, not overappreciated. Um, whether it's by your family, by your employees, by your kids, um, maybe not your dog. Maybe your dog is the one thing. Like you want, you know, animals are great because they, they they show love and appreciation constantly, no matter what. But in general, most people feel underappreciated by their most important relationships. And so, I think when when you gift, no strings attached, and it's not an obligatory year end. Like I hate gifts. Like I I, I don't I, I don't send one gift between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because it's an, that's an obligation. Um, I like to send gifts just because. Because when somebody gets a gift and it's, hey, just because I was thinking of you or, hey, just because of who you are, I think I don't care if you live in South America or you live in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio. Like, that's, that makes people feel a certain way. And I think that we all crave that, that, uh, that appreciation and that acknowledgement as a human being. And when you tap into that feeling – it's a powerful, powerful feeling, and I think we're all wired at a, at a DNA level, um, some more than others, to want to reciprocate it some way, shape, or form eventually. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. John, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm, uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, so you know, I was introduced to you by way of our mutual friend, John Corcoran, who was a former guest here on The Unmistakable Creative. And he told me a little bit about the work that you do, and I was immediately drawn to it. I was like, yeah, we got to talk about this. But before we go there, um, I want to actually do a, a deep dive into your personal story and your background. And I want to start uh, with what your parents did for a living and how did that influence the choices that you've ended up making with your life? And uh, what, if any, were the inflection points of your upbringing that ultimately led you to doing the work that you're doing today? Yeah, well, I, I grew up, um, I, my stepfather really kind of raised me. I, I, my, uh, my dad was, uh, was in sales, but really not super involved. But I grew up one of six kids on a farm in, in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio, of all places. Uh, the, the, the town had 500 people in one stoplight. I grew up on 50 acres. Uh, every morning, I milk goats. Um, so it's not exactly the, uh, the entrepreneurial start that, uh, that maybe a lot of people have had. Um, you know, hoeing the garden. Like we had a, most people like live on like, you know, maybe in the suburbs, a third acre. Like we had a one acre garden. And so like, you know, in the middle of the summer right now, like when I go outside, I'm like, I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm not still on the farm baling hay and not that there was anything wrong with it. Like it taught me work ethic and, and persistence. And it also taught me what I didn't really want to be doing necessarily the rest of my life. Um, you know, 95 degree weather and a hay mile, um, you know, like with just covered in dust and just, it was, uh, it was tough. I mean, we, my my wife kind of makes fun of uh, makes fun of me because she grew up on three thousand acres. So she's like, we forgot to plant fifty acres every year. But I'm like, we worked hard on our fifty acres. Our we heated our house with wood, and um, I was I've always been kind of an overachiever. And I think part of the reason was is where I grew up. Like we didn't have money, 
And uh, it's not like we were starving, but I wasn't the kid wearing Air Jordans or, in my time, British Knights um, to school. <laughs> I remember those. Do you remember those shoes? Yeah, I hadn't, uh, heard of, I hadn't remember them until you just mentioned them. Uh, I mean, I, I remember, I remember like wanting, like being in like first grade, and like my buddies who were into basketball, and you know, they they were like the cool kids, and um, you know, I'm like wearing like miters, like these the worst shoes on the planet, <laughs> and uh, and they're wearing like brand new British Knights, and my miters weren't even new, like they're like hand me downs, or like my mom could take like five dollars, um, literally. I remember like her like going to garage sales, and like she'd be like chewing people down from like 25 cents to 10 cents for like a shirt or a pair of shorts or whatever else. Cause she, I mean, there was limited resources to outfit six kids. She could take $5 and outfit us for like six years. It's like, it was crazy. Um, so I, I, I was an overachiever. I, I went to school, got straight A's, um, was hustling candy on the side. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, like I just found, you know, an opportunity to buy something and flip it, but I never really, there, the word entrepreneur didn't exist at least in not in, in Ohio circles, like it was just like if you wanted something, you had to go make money to go buy it. So like you would hustle. You didn't really call it hustling. You just like you just go work. Um, and so I thought I'd go be a doctor or a lawyer. You get straight A's. You're poor. You grew up in Nowheresville. Um, that that was my thought. And so my mom was like she was like the the person on you know she was a stay at home mom raising six kids, but she was the one that was like shipping in vitamins like thirty years ago like. The idea of eating like buckwheat pancakes and eating things from scratch was like not the norm in our area. And I don't think it was the norm in most of the country. And But she was like – she was a nurse and she had left the nursing industry and was like doing all these like cutting-edge health things. But was really – she was kind of like a, a whole foods kind of gal, you know, 30 years before her time. So I thought I'd go make mom proud and go be like a chiropractor, a D.O., and um, my stepdad, he was a water engineer, which is, you know, he basically treated wastewater and during the day and then come home and like would work another four or five hours on the farm at night and on weekends. And he also had a tree business. So he was kind of an entrepreneur and a hustler. But I mean, there never seemed to be enough money to go around. And but, we, you know, we we're well taken care of. We had cows, we had goats, we had chickens and pigs and I raised sheep Um you know, I was in 4-H. I don't know if you know what 4-H is. If, yeah. you, if you, grew up, you grew up in that area, that, uh, I'm not even sure where you're from. But um, some people are like, what the heck is 4-H? And I'm like, <laughs> um, but yeah, raised goats and all that kind of stuff. And then when I went to school, I thought I, I was going to get out of school debt-free by starting some sort of business or doing something. I, I didn't want to take out any loans. And I went to a pretty like, higher-end, small liberal arts school. And, uh, and so I started a little business with a – a, a little red S10 pickup truck and a little ladder rack and a 30 foot orange ladder. And I was on, if you're familiar with Time Warner Cable, they have like these lines that need little parts replaced. And I could average like six or seven parts an hour and essentially was making like $40, $50 an hour as a freshman in college, which, you know, 16 years ago was, well, even now, $40, $50 an hour for a college kid. You can go to work at Gap for like $7 an hour, eight bucks an hour. Um, but fortunately or unfortunately, I ended up getting, I ended up falling off this 30 foot ladder, um, two different times. And both times I landed, I was in a residential area that particular time and landed in mulch where I'm like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I'm trying to go to school to be a doctor and I'm going to like, I'm going to end up like a paraplegic, you know, from trying to make money to go to school. Like this is silly. And so that's when I went and interned for, I was looking for other things. I was like, do I be a waiter? Like, how can you make more than 40 or $50 an hour and not like risk your life? 
Um, and that's why I interned with, uh, with Cutco. You familiar with the Cutco company? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so they, they have an internship program. There's been a million and a half kids that went through their program. And I thought, I was praying to God that I would be able to last a summer. Because like, I remember like, talking to my mom and finding out that she actually owned Cutco knives that she bought before she was married. Wow. And so I'm like, you know, like, mom, how did you afford these knives? And I'm like, and she's like, well, I bought them before I was married. I paid them off over like 18 months and I wanted to be a perfect housewife. And I'm like, really? You spent that much on knives? And she's like, yeah, they're awesome. And I said, well, I think I'm going to go sell them. And she's like, none of our friends can afford Cutco knives. Are you serious? And I'm like, mom, like you've owned the product for like 30 years. Like that's not the pep talk I was really going for here. Like, you know, like if you don't believe in it, like this is going to be tough. But um, I'm like, you know what? I'll give it six weeks. And so I was driving all over the state of Ohio. I did 40 appointments in my first 10 days. And really what was magical and what changed me was I was dating a girl at the time and her dad was an attorney. And he was on the board of trustees of the school. And he was the guy that like everybody in town seemed to go to with their idea. And all the opportunity, like, he owned all these things that were non-attorney related. Like he owned oil wells and banks and whatever else. And, and referrals seemed to flow his way. And he was he was the most generous person I'd ever met, literally even to this day. And, uh, and so I remember pitching him the idea of giving away pocket knives to all his clients because he was giving things away all the time. And it was like before church on a Sunday morning, he's like, he leaned back in his chair and he's like, uh, what about paring knives? I'm like, Paul, you're going to give grown men like to own like pallet manufacturing companies and home builders and you're going to give them paring knives. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, John, I, I, uh, I found that if you take care of the family uh, and that inner circle is what I now call it, he's like, everything else takes care of itself. And so that was my sophomore year of college. And that was the game changer for me. I, I realized Paul understood relationship building at a level that I'd never experienced. And when you grow up poor, you see people being generous. And I started to apply that and teach that. And by the time I was a senior in college, I was Cutco's largest international distributor out of about a million and a half people. Not because I was the best salesperson, because I had no sales experience whatsoever, um, other than selling candy at study hall. Um, but I, under- I started to teach this philosophy and concept that we now call giftology and radical generosity. And um, yeah, that was 16 years ago. So that, that, that's kind of my foundation. Okay. So many questions come from that. Um, One of them is, what has been the impact on your perspective on relationships from being both raised in such a small town and also being part of such a big family? Well, I I mean, I think you learn um, sharing at a very early age. Like, you can't be very selfish um, when you have five other people vying for the same thing. I think you also learn in relationships, at least, I mean, my wife hates this, but um, I can eat food faster than most human beings on the planet because there was, <laughs> there, was, there was no seconds in our house, like whatever was made. And if you got seconds, if you ate fast enough to get before your brothers ate the next, like the last couple bites of whatever the pizza or the, the stew or the whatever. Um, and so I think there, you, you know, frankly, I, I learned a little bit of a scarcity mentality, like there was never enough. And so I think that it was a radical shift for me to say like, to go from like not enough to like there's going to be plenty. And I think without like really witnessing firsthand what I witnessed when I was that sophomore in college and, and seeing somebody so generous, I, I, I think if I hadn't saw all the success that Paul had and how things worked behind the scenes for a couple of years of, 
of kind of being a part of that family, I wouldn't have believed it. And so I think that, you know, like we, we, you know, my, my siblings and I, we have each other's back. We grew up in a small town. Um, we weren't super involved in the community. Like we kind of kept to ourselves and you kind of make your own fun. And, uh, my wife would say I'm kind of like the MacGyver at home cause I'm not really handy, but I can, if you give me some duct tape and, and, uh, you know, a paper clip and whatever else, like I can make just about anything work. And so I, I would say I'm pretty flexible and adaptive in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and even in relationships and as an entrepreneur, I think that served me well of like, you know, you're not equipped with necessarily the right tools, but you figure out the angle and you just make it work. So I think, you know, my upbringing has served me well in that way. But I think the rewiring the, the scarcity mindset was definitely uh, took a little bit of, uh, of time and, and energy and, and being around the right people. All right. Well, let's do a deeper dive into the whole idea of rewiring the scarcity mindset because, you know, it's it's such a, a an interesting paradox to me that you come from this very poor family and yet, you know, your your entire work is centered around this idea of generosity and and you know, we'll, we'll which we will get into in much more detail. Um so I, I'm curious, you know, having grown up without money and having made that shift from scarcity to one of abundance, uh, you know, one, like, what is your perspective on wealth and money now? Uh, how does it change it? And then I guess, you know, the, the bigger question that probably is in a lot of people's minds is how do they change it if the, if the situation isn't what they want it to be? Yeah, well, I think, you know, like any, I, I don't know who, you know, there's so many different quotes out there, but the idea of you become, you know, the books you read and the, and the people you surround yourself with. And so I think, you know, from a faith perspective, like I, I would say that, you know, I, I spend a decent amount of time reading the Bible and, and also studying religion and history. And, and, you know, you look at some of the most successful people and the happiest people, they've, they've been generous. They've been super generous. Like I think Helen Keller said, Helen Keller, or, or, um, you know, that nobody's ever become poor from, from giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I've, I've kind of, you know, pounded into my head the idea of generosity and you reap what you sow and, you know, the idea of reciprocity. I think that, you know, I, I'm an avid reader. And so I think that what you read, you end up becoming. Um, and then the, the types of people that I surround myself with, you know, Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I've, I think I've naturally been drawn to givers because it's who I want to be. And, uh, and, I want that to rub off on me and, and I want to be inspired. So if you look at my inner circle of friends, um, you know, I just had lunch with a guy, John Hall from Influence and Co. Like he's a giver. Like that's just who he is. And, um, and so I, I, I'm very careful with my time and not that I'm like, like, you know, there's not like a million walls around me, but I try to surround myself with good people and, and put good things in my head and focus on those things. And, and over the last 16 years, it's amazing. Um, I saw early on when I started to gift with no strings attached, I saw people's responses to it. When I gifted like Paul and I would see people light up and they'd be like, why are you doing this? Like, what do you like? Are you going to ask me for something? And I'm like, no, I, no, no strings attached. And people would like light up. And then I would see doors open six months later, in some cases, six years later. And for me, at least it became addictive. Like I, the more you give, you start to see responses and, and things start to shift, like it um, over the course of 16 years, it just becomes kind of automatic. But at first, it was like, am I really going to spend $200 on a carving set and send that out to somebody and ask them to carve out time or thank them for carving out time or whatever the theme of the node and the whatever was? Or am I really just going to send that to somebody and not ask for anything in return? And and um, it was painful at first. When you're in college and you're like trying to make ends meet and you're spending 
a hundred or 200 hours that week on a, on a gift. Like that was like, that was a big deal. Um, and now like we send out a couple hundred thousand dollars a year of gifts, um, to people and, you know, sent uh, saunas to people and just crazy stuff. And it, um, I, I still enjoy it. It's still fun. It's still kind of a rush. It's to me, it's like going to, to Vegas and like, rather than putting a hundred dollar chip on black, um, you know, I, I love putting, you know, a hundred dollar, a thousand dollar gift on this person and, and letting it ride and see what happens. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it takes seven years for that seed to grow. All right. So we'll, we'll come back to this, uh, because I, I really want to do a deep dive into the entire concept of strategic gifting and, uh, some of the, all of the things that you talked about, but I want to go back to something, uh, that you mentioned earlier, which is faith. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, I've had a handful of people who have talked about the role that faith has played in their life, uh, whether that happens to be in the form of religion, whether it happens to be in the form of spirituality. And so I'm curious, I mean, like, what is the role that faith has played in your life and your career? Um, And, you know, like, it seems to me that some semblance of faith is a foundational aspect of anybody who's done anything of great significance. At least that's what I keep finding as I keep digging. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's kept me, it's done a couple of different things. I mean, it's something I grew up, my family was a family of faith. We went to church every Sunday and, and, uh, I made my faith personal and, and, um, you know, uh, became, you know, follower of Jesus or, or a Christian or whatever, I guess, parameters or, you know, humanly words you want to put around it. When I was 16, 17 years old and kind of made that like, and that became a big shifting point of where I went to school and what I thought and what I did. But I think at a core level for me, it's, it's, um, it's kept me grounded and, um, I feel very grateful for, um, you know, for the, for where I've been born and who, you know, even though I was poor, who my parents were and, you know, the fact that I'm in the U S I feel like a lot has been given to me. And so I think that I felt this, you know, kind of urge inside always to say like, you know, when my life is done, what's my legacy going to be? And, you know, if there is an eternity, like, and I'm going to meet my maker if there is a maker and all these different things. Like I want to, I want to be able to look them in the face and say like, well, I was given a lot and I did a lot and I was generous. And I, um, and so I think it's, you know, the, the days where I'm like, do I really, do I really need to go out there and keep hustling? And part of me is like, dude, you've been given a thousand times more than just, you know, than billions of people get your rear end out of bed and go do something like you've been given a lot. And so I think it's been a motivating factor for me. And, and it's also kept me grounded and realized like, you know, because so much has been given and I, I, uh, I can't take credit for everything because there's certain things that happened in my life that were not a result of me. They were a result of, you know, whether you want to call it God or a higher power or, or whatever your belief is for me, it's my, you know, my Christian beliefs have really kept me kind of focused and, and uh, not taking things for granted, at least doing a better job, hopefully, of not uh, you know getting out of perspective of of uh, where I kind of fall in the world. So I want to ask you uh, a little bit more about the Cutco time. I mean, to rise as quickly as you did uh, at such a young age. I mean, that's you know to be exposed to success at a super early age. I think uh, gives you a certain perspectives on things, and I'm curious you know, what you learned, um, other than the generosity piece during that time that you have applied to your life and your work going forward? Yeah. Well, I think, um, when you're walking into somebody's house and you don't know them and you don't know them, their family, like 
people's houses, it's not like walking into an office building. Like it's not cold. Like you're walking into somebody's home. Like people don't invite you into their home unless, typically unless you're a friend or uh, you know family or you know like somebody that's close in general. And so like I'm walking in not knowing them, and 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 I would say that um, I learned how to build relationships quickly and how to kind of you know, how to be vulnerable and how to make that kind of interpersonal connection fast because I mean I was able to walk out even before I started selling the companies. You know, our my close rate. Uh, was nine out of ten people would spend about five hundred dollars with me, um, and that's after you know spending forty five minutes to an hour and a half. Sometimes you know appointments would go two three hours where you're like cooking dinner for them and whatever else. But I think I learned how to connect with people really quickly and create that common bond. Um, I think I learned um, you know how to handle rejection because not everybody would say yes, and how to do that with grace and. And I think that, um, you know, frankly, you know, a lot of businesses rise and fall based upon referrals. So whether somebody buys or not, like, do they like you and do they want you to succeed? And, you know, I average on, you know, on average eight to 10 leads or referrals where people would say, here's a friend of mine. I want you to go sell them knives. Like that's a, that's a big leap after spending an hour with somebody or two hours with somebody. And so, I think that served me well of how to connect with somebody, inspire somebody to want to be bought into to my vision of what and mission of what I was doing. And at the time, it, you know, I was a college student wanting to make their way. But after college, like I, you know, like I wasn't a poor college kid anymore. I still had to be able to connect with people and inspire them. And so I think that uh, those kind of interpersonal, that's why I, I basically say, I don't care what you're going to go do. I think that whether it's Cutco or Southwestern Books or like going and having to connect with people in their home and sell them something and sell yourself to them, I think is a skill that um, every entrepreneur or business person or creative or even a pastor or teacher, everybody's selling something. And if you ever want to get married, you have to sell yourself to the other person. Like I, I think it's, uh, it's a very, like, whether you do it for a summertime or like, you know, for me, 16 years later, I still we still own Cutco's largest distributorship. It's not our core business, but um, I, I, all my girls will sell Cutco in some way, shape, or form. Um, whether they want to go be a teacher, or whether they want to be you know go save the world, like on a mission trip or whatever else. Like I think it's uh, it's been foundational to me to the point where I have a great relationship with my university. But I would trade my four year degree for one summer. Of uh, of selling Cutco because of all the things I learned in that in that three month time period was just unbelievable. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mm. You know, it's interesting because I have, you know, I'm sure we've had other guests here who probably had the Cutco background. Uh, you know, I know for a fact we have. The, the other thing is, you know, as you were saying that, it reminded me of a conversation I had. I, I remember being interviewed for this web analytics company, and my last conversation was with the CEO. And he said, we're not going to hire you, but he said, I want you to know something. He said, you're working in sales, and he said, and that is a foundational skill. He said, everybody who he said everybody at some point in their life should do it and experience it because he said it'll give you invaluable skills that you'll be able to carry into your future. Yep. And you know, now when I speak from a stage, I realize, okay, yeah, that, that, you know, I'm not doing exactly that, but those skills have definitely come full circle. You're selling, man. I mean, you're selling, I mean, people have to like you and believe what you're saying. And, and, uh, you know, selling is a, yeah, it's such a valuable skill. And, 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 and whether you're an entry level person or whether you're, uh, you know, whether you're CEO, you see a lot of CEOs of the best companies. You know, Steve Jobs, he was a salesman. I mean, he was a, he was a, uh, he was amazing at sales. Hmm. Well, let's do this. Let's let's shift gears a little bit and let's start getting into this whole idea of of giftology and, and strategic gifting. And I, I think where I really want to begin is with something you said, and that is the idea of no strings attached, uh, because. I realize often people will do things thinking that they're doing them without strings attached, but somewhere deep down there is this expectation that they want something in return for it. I know because I've experienced it firsthand from other people. Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference um, between expectation, you know, obligation, Mm -hmm. kind of used interchangeably, and hope. Yeah. So I think we all, you know, like nobody's running a business uh, not to make profit. Or if they are, like, I don't know, what are you doing? Like, Every business is hopeful that you'll make sales, that they'll build relationships and partnerships. And so, but I do think that there's a big difference between a, hey, I hope that this pays off somewhere down the line. And, and I've seen some of the things for me pay off. Seven years seems to be like this magic number for me. I don't know why. Like it took me seven years to land the Chicago Cubs as clients. It took me seven years to land the largest home builder in the, in the country. I don't know why. Maybe, I hope it's not, you know, for other people, it takes seven years, but there's, I, and in a lot of those cases, I was giving 
no strings attached, not ask, not saying like you better do this or I, you know, like holding it over their head. And so I think that everybody, even billionaires, like I don't care who you are, like we like to be surprised and delighted and we like to be, most people I would say, walk around feeling underappreciated, not overappreciated. Um, whether it's by your family, by your employees, by your kids, um, maybe not your dog. Maybe your dog is the one thing. Like one, you know, animals are great because they 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 show love and appreciation constantly, no matter what. But in general, most people feel underappreciated by their most important relationships. And so I think when when you gift, no strings attached, and it's not an obligatory year end. Like I hate gifts. Like I I, I don't I, I don't send one gift between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because it's an, that's an obligation. Um, I like to send gifts just because. Because when somebody gets a gift and it's, hey, just because I was thinking of you or, hey, just because of who you are, I think I don't care if you live in South America or you live in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio. Like, that's, that makes people feel a certain way. And I think that we all crave that, that, uh, that appreciation and that acknowledgement as a human being. And when you tap into that feeling – it's a powerful, powerful feeling, and I think we're all wired at a, at a DNA level, um, some more than others, to want to reciprocate it some way, shape, or form eventually, and um, and that comes out in different ways. Sometimes, you know, like a John, like a guy like John Corcoran is an amazing connector. Mm-hmm. He loves to reciprocate with opening doors, where somebody else might be, you know, a reciprocate with business or a gift or a word of affirmation or you know, like the five love languages. There's different ways that you can reciprocate. Um, but that's a powerful feeling to tap into and, and do things just because. Wow. Okay. So, you know, th- there's a couple of things that come to mind here. I mean, one is, you know, I know there are people who keep score because I've seen them do it with me. Um, <laughs> I experienced something like that very recently. Like I'd asked somebody for something and they listed out literally all these favors they had supposedly done me, uh, which was amazing. And it was just a, a really vicious reply to an email, you know, uh, to, that I had sent with a list of every favor that this person had supposedly done me, all of which included an hour coffee and, you know, me paying to go to one of their events. <laughs> so it, that blew my mind, you know, and it made me really think about this idea of, of people who keep score. Uh, but in addition to that, I mean, I, I think the the bigger question that that is on our mind, well, I, first, I, I want to actually uh, have you talk about some of the things that you've done. You know, I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to the work through your book, but I, I'd love for you to share some of the stories of, you know, the gifts that you've given and where they've led so people kind of have an idea of the power of this. Yeah. Well, one of the earliest ones that I did, I, you know, like many people, you know, you join an organization, maybe you're green, maybe you're going to your first event or mastermind event or, or conference. And for me, I, I joined EO, uh, a mentor of mine who owned like 20 companies said, hey, there's this organization you really should, should be a part of. There's 10,000 entrepreneurs from around the world. And I'm like, if a guy owns 20 companies and, and says this is an organization you should be in, I, I, I gave him my credit card and signed up for the first conference before I was even officially a member. And uh, I remember going out to it. It's in Vegas. There's 1,200 CEOs from around the world. And I barely qualified to get into this organization. I mean, just barely. And there's companies there that are hundreds of millions of dollars. And so I'm like, do I really belong here? Like that kind of feeling. And I remember going to one of the breakouts. And um, I almost didn't go because I'm like, this guy like, was COO of a junk company. Like what is he going to teach me? And, uh, and then I saw it was like standing room only. And so I weaseled my way into this room and, uh, it was Cameron Harold. He started talking about 
hey, we grew a company from two million to 120 million, no, no debt. Um, in five years, five thousand articles written about him got on Oprah and all these other things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, and and maybe you felt this way before. Where you meet somebody and you're like, this person could be a game changer for my business. Like I don't want to be a groupie. I want that person to be an advocate, a friend, a mentor. And um, I'm sure I can't afford to hire him necessarily as a consultant, but I, I want to make an impression. And so I went up to him, waited like an hour afterwards. And um, found out he was coming to Cleveland. I was still in Ohio at the time. And um, and I said, what are you going to do when you're in town? He's like, well, I'm flying the night before. And I said, what are you going like, to hang out? You want to go to dinner? And he's like, I, I said, I have, I have Cavs tickets, great season, you know, great tickets, LeBron's in town. Um, it's opening night. And you could tell, like, going to dinner in a ball game, he's going to do that 100 times this year, which is what most people's, like, go to, like, way of wowing somebody is hey dinner in a ball game like uh, nobody's ever thought of that before you could tell like he said yes because he didn't have anything else to do um i said what are you gonna do anything else and he said yeah actually I, the dollar's really weak i'm i'm from can i'm from vancouver i'm gonna do a bunch of shopping at my favorite store and i'm thinking in my head well maybe this is an angle and uh and, he, and i said what's that and he said brooks brothers and i'm like oh um on the spot i'm like i'm a jose bank guy what's your shirt size i want to send you a shirt and he looked at me like this bewildered kind of like, does this dude have a man crush on me? Because like he's asking me my shirt size within two minutes of having a conversation. Like he was just, you tell he's kind of wigged out. Um, but he told me, and then I said, what else are you gonna do? He said nothing. I said, all right, great. Let's can't wait to have you in Cleveland. And so I had this idea, and I went to my business partner. Like, I just sold half the business to. He's like, dude, you're crazy. Like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, trust me. Like, this is we have to do something over the top for this guy. He's like, I don't know, I don't know. And so that morning that he's supposed to be flying in at night, you know, later that afternoon, he, I started getting text messages. Hey, my flight's delayed. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I'm going to miss my connecting flight. You know, I'm going to be late, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no worries. Like, whenever you get in, even if it's we have to miss dinner, we'll just go to the second half of the game. And uh, I'm like, Rod, we have to do this. And he's like, all right, if it doesn't work, it's coming out of your draw. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I drive up to Cleveland. Um, I go into the Brooks Brothers. I put down the American Express and I'm pouring with sweat. One, because I like hustled up there, but two, I'm like, I'm scared to death. I'm like, this is insane. And I said, here's the guy's sizes. I want one of everything in your new fall collection. All your shirts, jackets, sweaters, pants, everything. And the junior sales associate's like, you're kidding, right? And I said, oh God, I wish I was, but no, I want one of everything. And so they Put like they wheeled it out, and it was like four carts of clothes, and they they ran the Amex, and I looked down, and it was seven thousand dollars. I'm like, oh my gosh, this better work. And so that we loaded it into my suburban, drove over to the Ritz, and I said, hey, I asked for the GM. I said, hey, you have this guy coming to town. He's one of the top business consultants in the world. He's amazing. Would you like to do something special? And of course, it's the Ritz. What do they say? So yeah. And so we go and we merchandise this whole hotel room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Sweaters here, jackets over there, stuff on the bed. And then I'm downstairs, my business partner in the lobby bar, like having a drink and my hand shaking. And I'm, I'm just, I'm a nervous wreck. And Cameron gets in and, and when he walked in, you could tell like, he's like, why did I ever agree to this dinner? Like it was one of those travel days from hell. He's like, why did I ever agree to this? And I said, hey, Cameron, go take a shower, relax. Come back down whenever you're ready. No worries. Like, we'll go to the game whenever. And he goes, he leaves, goes to the, you know, goes to the elevator, 
and about 25 minutes later, he comes back down and he's got this, he's beaming. His eyes are like the size of silver dollars. And he said, John, I've had a lot of people do really cool things for me. I thought the Four Seasons was amazing. When I went out for a run, they had a bottle of water and a towel waiting for me and they knew me by name. He's like, I've texted pictures and sent it to John DeJulius and some of the top customer service authors in the world. He said, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it, I'm all ears. And then, you know, you fast forward, you know, the last eight, nine years, like he's become a, fr- you know, a very close friend. His, I was invited to his 50th birthday party, his, wife, his wedding. He's opened doors. You know, he's coaching like the, sh- the shake of Qatar. Like he's coaching some of the biggest people in the world and every one of them. He's like, John, if you want me to send him a book, if you want to send, if we, you know, we sent gifts to them. He's opened up doors with like the president of Starbucks, like people I couldn't have probably opened with $10 million with advertising. He's become part of our inner circle. And if you read the book, Giftology, it's the opening chapter in the book. He's given quotes and blurbs and, and uh, he's become one of those kind of people that, uh, you know, he just sings our praises from stages all over the world. This episode of the podcast, just like every other episode, is sponsored by HostGator. So I told you at the beginning of the podcast about how starting a website can be the catalyst for uh, you know, eventually getting bigger projects off the ground, like writing a book, like recording an album, whatever it is. No matter what you're trying to do, starting a website can be one of the easiest uh, first steps. And you know, even if you don't know what you want to do, sometimes this can actually be a really revealing first step because it can give you ideas. It kind of gives you a creative sandbox to play. And in fact, we have tons of websites that you guys probably have never heard of that go through this entire process. And fortunately, our friends at HostGator can help you to get started because they're providing 30% off all of their hosting packages. Uh, So visit HostGator.com slash creative and use the promo code creative for 30% off at checkout. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I remember that story very distinctly and I was like, okay, this is, I'm so glad you told it because it was such a, a compelling story. I think the first thing that is going to go through people's minds, and I think you know exactly where we're going with this <laughs> is $7,000. Like it, I don't have the luxury of doing that. Cause if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be a lot more screwed than not having my draw the next month. <laughs> right. So I mean that, that to me is the first objection I think that will come up in somebody's mind having heard that story. And I know you've addressed this. So, so tell me, you know, kind of, like, how do you manage to do things that are over the top? I mean, in my mind, the word for that is unmistakable. Um, how do you do stuff like that and at the same time manage not to, like, break the bank doing it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the goal is to be, you know, get to, to give, you know, more than is reasonable, but to still stay in business. Like, the goal isn't, like, <laughs> or, you know, like, I, the, the goal isn't to bet the entire farm, but maybe, like, if you have 50 acres, bet five of the acres. So, it's managing the risk and, and making calculations. So you don't do that for everybody. Um, but I think the interesting thing about that is I kind of knew a guy's traveling in for one day. Like he can't take all the clothes back with him unless he buys luggage and he's probably not going to do that. So let's say he takes half the clothes. That, I, I didn't even think you take half the clothes. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking, well, maybe it'll cost me two or three grand at most. Um, and I was also you know, thinking, well, maybe he won't take any of the clothes. Maybe he thinks I'm a stalker. Like I, I you know, like I, I was over the map of what could happen. But the other, the interesting part that happened, and this happens a lot when you, when you go above and beyond and give radically, um, it inspires the other person to want to reciprocate back, or at least to be like, oh my gosh, like I, like, and and for him, he came to me and said, John, here's one of two things going to happen. One, you're going to tell me how much. I'm going to pick some of the clothes and I'm going to take, take them with me. And you're going to tell me how much those were so I can write a check for that. Or I'm going to round up by like 30% and just send you the money. 
because the gift was you putting yourself out there and taking care of and treating me this way, the experience, I can't let you buy the product as well. So that experience cost me nothing. And I would say that in general, um, you know, there are times when you do a gift and you spend $100, $500, $1,000 and you miss and it doesn't work or, you know, 1% of our gifts get sent back. And so what I love about that is that it scares most people away from doing it at all. And so they say, well, I can't do $7,000, so I won't do anything. Or I got one of the gifts back, so I'm going to stop sending gifts. Or my, one of my clients can't receive gifts or 10% can't receive gifts, so I'm not going to do gifting at all. And so it keeps the people that do gifting at a really high level in a very in a, almost like in a blue ocean. Like they're able to – because most people either suck at gifting or they don't do gifting at all. And they'll spend, you know, they'll pick up a bar tab for $500. So they'll do a trade show for $5,000. And meanwhile, all of their competitors are doing the same thing. So I love the fact that there is a, there is an element of risk. And most people, because they don't have anybody modeling it or teaching it, they just shy away from it and they don't do it or they get a bad experience and they stop doing it. And, and so it makes when I do gifting or my clients do gifting, it really stands out because it's such a untapped resource. Um, but I like that edginess to it. And, and, um, and it is something that you don't have to do seven. Like most of my gifts are not $7,000. Like most of the gifts I send out are like the knives and we do custom leather goods and whatever else that are practical, useful items. They're the same price as a dinner around a golf or ball game ticket. So most of my gifts are between $100 and $500 per gift. You know, I would say on average it's probably $300. So I send out hundreds of gifts per year to people. Um, I'm not looking to, you know, melt their face off every single time. I'm looking to acknowledge them as a human being. And, and uh, oftentimes you can do that if you do all the details that we talk about in Giftology really well. A lot of times it's the timing of the gift. It's the personalization. It's the packaging. It's the handwritten note. It's all these little details. It's not just... You know, I, talk, I remember talking to, to Gary Vaynerchuk about this. He's like, sometimes you, you can just throw $3,000 at an Amazon gift card and the other person's like, well, that uh, thank you, but that's one, I feel really uncomfortable taking $3,000 from you. And two, like, that's the most unthoughtful gift on the planet. Like, it took you like 2.7 seconds to click a button on, you know, on Amazon and it, it just feels weird. And so oftentimes it's not spending more money. It's taking the money that you are spending on relationship building and just being more creative and effective with it. And I tell people all the time, I can outdo somebody that spends $5 million at these big trade shows because I will take, they're like, you know, there's like, they're spending all this money on this big mass advertising thing of like this, like, you know, like atomic bomb. I'd much rather have a rifle with just and pick off a few of the right people that I want as clients and blow their minds. And who cares about the other, you know, hundred thousand people at that event? Like I'd rather be very strategic and, and use a laser versus you know blowing through a massive budget just because I'm lazy. And that seems like the thing to do. So. Does that answer the seven thousand dollar question yeah, well? No, it, or? it totally does. I mean, it, it just set off a whole series of insights in my mind about things that I could be doing. Um, you know, like we, I'll I'll share it with you off air. But um, okay, you mentioned <laughs> that sometimes you miss. I would be curious to hear about one of the misses um, and what you've learned from the misses. Yeah, well, um, oh, actually, a recent client that we did some gifting for. Um, 
we we sent out in, in this case it was they were going after some of the wealthiest people up in the Pacific Northwest. They're people that worth like 10, 20 million and above. And this was a prospecting campaign. And uh, in this instance, <clears throat> they gave us data on these fifty individuals, and they were, they were in this case it was knife sets. They were getting like a fifteen hundred dollar gift, but over the course of like three gifts. So every gift built on the other gift to complete the knife set. And they gave us two of the names that they gave us were the ex-wives' names, um, and we said these were going to the person's home, and so. You can imagine the response of getting a really beautiful gift, but having ex-wife's name on the gift didn't really fire up the new wife very well. <laughs> um, and so they heard about it. But the interesting thing was it was a prospecting campaign, and one of the per- one of the people actually said, like, you know, like, hey, you're sending these beautiful gifts, but uh, they have my ex-wife's name on it. Like, I will actually take the meeting with you if you start sending me nice gifts like that. With this is my new wife's name. And, uh, and so even though it was a backfire, it still, in, in one of the cases, actually ended up working, um, which we, we've had that happen before where, you know, we misspell somebody's name and we, they send the gift back and they're, they're just furious, they're pissed. Um, and sometimes we lose that opportunity to have them as a, pro, you know, as a you know, prospective client. We had one instance where we sent gifts to a university and we didn't realize they were being investigated for fraud. <laughs> and so, and so, all these gifts show up, and all of a sudden, like eight three hundred dollar gifts came right back. So, twenty four hundred dollars worth of gifts came right back to us. Um, but for every one of those, I mean, you have you know, I help you out. It's eighty twenty rule. Like you might get twenty percent of the gifts back or whatever on some campaigns. One percent is the norm. Um, but you're gonna have some times where you don't know what's the person's going through a divorce, or they're they just you know they lost a child, or you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. Um, and so you just never know how it's going to resonate, but you know, more times than not, people are like, wow, like this is, and and I hear this all the time. Like, this is one of the nicest gifts I've ever received in business. Like I even had that when I sent gifts to, you know, some of the people at Google, they're like in seven years of working at Google, this is the nicest gift I've ever received. And it was a hundred dollar gift. So it wasn't like we sent like them, you know, like, uh, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag for four grand. Like, (laughs) um, so but yeah, you're going to have misses, you're going to have mistakes, you're going to have, it's like any other part of business, but that's just part of the deal. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> I want to wrap with a few sort of final questions. Uh, I, you know, I've been asking people about the artistic influences of their life because, uh, it, you know, it's kind of making me think about sort of a second book that I'm working on. What in your life have been uh, the book's uh, pieces of music or documentary films that have profoundly impacted your life that you would recommend to people in our audience, and you can be uh, one of each or just one of one of those three. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not um, probably because of my very like humble beginnings. I'm not a um, like I grew up playing music, I grew up, you know, playing clarinet of all instruments, and then play, <laughs> you know, which once again told me taught me what I didn't want to play. Yeah, um, and and then drums. Uh, I mean, I really enjoy music, but I wouldn't say that that's my inspiration or, or even documentaries. Like there's some, um, yeah, I, I would say books have been my thing um, okay. to, to be like that have been really influential in my life. And the first um, book that I read, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a long or complicated book, but the Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard um, just really taught me the power of having one raving fan was better than a thousand satisfied people. And so I early on in my, you know, when I'm still in college, sophomore in college, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go create raving fans. And it's, I've seen it play out where if I look at my business over the last 16 years, 
it's probably a dozen or two dozen people that have shifted my business radically. Now, I have a lot of people that have been important and there's hundreds, you know, like the acknowledgements in my book, it's like three pages long. There's a lot of people that have poured into me, but it's literally like small amounts of people that have been radically bought into who we are and what we do that have changed the game. And so that raving fans book was, um, was, you know, monumental. And, And I would say most recently, like give and take has kind of given me a playbook of understanding how to be a giver and not be taken advantage of, or at least protect myself. And so Adam Grant's book has been a big one here in the last couple of years that has, you know, continued to shift my thinking. But um, those, those two offhand come to mind. Very cool. Well, I have one last question for you, which is how we finish every interview at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? <clears throat> um, what do I think that, ma- that makes somebody unmistakable? I, I think um, for me, it, you know, I, I gave the quote, you know, give more than is reasonable. I think most people that are unmistakable um, have let go of the idea of holding back and being afraid of what other people think or, or holding back 5 or 10% because we're afraid to be taken advantage of or, or how are we going to one-up ourselves the next year. And I think the unmistakable, at least for me, has been you know, doing more than is reasonable and asking myself – what's the most I can do in this situation? And when I've done that, I think that's what's kind of separated me from the pack and, uh, and given me that edge that even though as a farm boy, I've been able to, to do things that, um, and go places and sometimes look around the room and be like, how am I here? Why am I here? And it's, and I think it's, it's been, uh, it's been doing those, those little things, um, really, 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 really well. Hmm. Well, this has been really, really cool. Uh, where can people find out more about your work? Um, if you go to Giftology book, you can you know s- check out you know what it's about and, and see some of the videos from you know Jeffrey Gittimer and Darren Hardy and some other guys that are kind of business celebrity types of. Um, you can go obviously get it on Amazon. Um, been fortunate to hit um, some lists and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, you can also go to Ruling Group if you want to learn about our work and how we help companies. Um, outsource their gift strategy and logistics and see some of our case studies and, and whatever else you can follow me on at Rulin on Twitter. And, um, yeah, those are kind of the, uh, the, the core core landing spots for us. Awesome. Well, uh, I will make sure we link everything up in the show notes and for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that next time on the unmistakable creative. doesn't matter what you did. Literally, you will not do any more than 10 years in prison for anything in Brazil. You kill 50 people, chop them all up, and sell them on the street as barbecue. You're not going to do any more than 10 years, and you're probably going to do less than that because their prisons are so massively overcrowded that there's typically 40, 50, 60 people to a cell that's supposed to hold 10. So they have prison outbreaks on a regular basis because they don't have enough prisons. They don't have enough guards. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a guard in Brazil who's guarding a cell that's got 60 people in it that was meant for 10 people. And he's got to move them by himself from one location of the prison to another occasionally. When he opens that door and those 60 people head for the exits, he either dies or gets out of the way. So they have prison breaks on a regular basis. So even if you got sentenced to 10 years in prison for killing 60 people, you're going to be put in a cell with 60 other people, and there's going to be a prison break inside of two or three months, and you're going to get out. And so they have a lot of 
problems beneath the surface in, in, in Brazil that they can't deal with mm-hmm. because their prison system is not holding anybody in jail for any length of time. Chris Voss joins us to talk about the Jedi mind tricks of an FBI hostage negotiator. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. 
head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.